Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. We're currently in a 13-week sermon series on the life of David. And David, of course, is one of the primary personalities in the Old Testament. He's mentioned a lot in Scripture. Uh, so we won't be able to cover his whole life story in these 13 weeks. But we're going to highlight certain pieces of it. And we're splitting up this sermon series, these 13 weeks, into two parts or two sections. In the first part, which we're in right now, we're focusing on how God formed and shaped David in his waiting. And, and when you read the story of David, what you find is that there's a whole lot of waiting in his story. Uh, we, we've already covered this, but when he was around 15 years old, he was just a teenage kid. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king. And nothing immediately materializes. And so we find David, in fact, that he has to wait 15 more years until he's finally recognized by the tribe of Judah as their king. And so half his life he's waiting already. He's 15, he's anointed to be the next king, and then he waits 15 more years before Judah, the tribe of Judah, recognizes him as their king. And then he has to wait another seven years before the other 11 tribes of Israel make him their king. So it's a 22-year waiting period from when he's that 15-year-old kid being anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king until he's really king, 22 years. And, and through all that waiting, David was, was being shaped by God. He was being formed by God. And he had to process. He had to work through a lot of things. He, he had to process and work through several letdowns and disappointments along the way. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever waited on God to, to, to respond to you or to do something on your behalf have you ever waited on God and felt let down and disappointed? I'm guessing you have. <laughs> I'm guessing you have because I have many times. Um, I was thinking this week about a time in my life, it was about se seven years ago, six and a half, seven years ago. Um, I was bivocational for the first six years while I was planting this church. I had multiple jobs because I had to like pay my bills. <laughs> Planting a church is not like a, a lucrative occupation. And so I was working multiple jobs, and one of my jobs at that time was a, a TSA officer at the airport. And so I would take people's toothpaste and pat them down. Um, starting at my, my shift started at 3.30 a.m. So I had to wake up at 2.30, you know, go to work. And I would work from 3.30 till noon, come home, get a bite to eat, and then I would put my pastor hat on, and I would go do my, my pastoral work. So about dinner time, come home, eat dinner, have about an hour with my family, go to bed at 7 p.m., which is tough. I mean, my kids were staying up past me, right? Um, and, and then do it all over again. And I was really kind of like burning the candle at both ends. Do you guys remember about, I think it was about seven years ago, we had that one February where it never went above zero degrees. It was like below zero every day for a month. Man, I remember that. Because we had to park, when, when I worked at the airport, we had to park at the far lot because that was the free one. And we'd have to walk a long way to get to the airport. So it would be 3.15 in the morning. It's below zero. And I'm walking into work where I know it's going to be a long day. Right? And then when I get out of work, i got to go to my other job. And it's going to be a long day. And I remember having a lot of conversations with God. 
that February. <laughs> it's below zero. I'm walking, you know, into the airport, and, and I'm getting ready to do my day. And I just remember having these conversations with God, like, what are you doing? Why is this taking so long? Like, I'm, I moved here to, to start a church. It should be, it sh- you should be helping me. <laughs> God, like it's, I should, six years in, I should not be having to burn the candle at both ends. God, like, to be honest, that whole month for me was a month of just disappointment and feeling let down by God. And as we read David's story, we discover that, that, that things didn't always turn out the way he'd hoped and planned either. That he's, he's in this waiting. He has to experience several Letdowns and disappointments. When you read some of the Psalms that David wrote, he expresses his disappointment. He expresses his sadness. He expresses his, his grief. Yet somehow, David is able to continue to place his confidence in God through all of it. And, and that's what I want to focus on this morning in David's story. How was David able to develop the spiritual resilience he needed while he was waiting for God knows what. Right? How was David able to develop the spiritual resilience to go through all this waiting and all these disappointments and letdowns, and he's waiting for God to do something but doesn't quite know how it's going to materialize? Because here, here's why I want to talk about this this morning. Because if you've walked with God for any length of time at all, you've experienced seasons of waiting. And in those seasons of waiting, um, we go through disappointments and letdowns. We feel let down and disappointed by God, even if he's not letting us down, right? And waiting is, is part of the way that God shapes us because it's in our waiting that we become more aware of him. We become more attentive to him. We learn how to, how to trust in him and his goodness. And spiritual resilience is needed during those times of waiting. If, you, if you've walked with God for any length of time, you'll know that, man, sometimes waiting for God to answer your prayer, to help you, or to respond, or to act on your behalf, or someone else's behalf, it, it can be really hard sometimes. And we need to learn how to develop the spiritual resilience to get through that time. So that's what I want to talk about today. And be, before we jump into Scripture, I have to give a, just a really quick recap of what we've covered so far in David's story. So as I mentioned, we, we, we saw that David was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king at around 15 years old. Israel already had a king, King Saul. And David, after he's anointed, because he, there's already a king and he's secretly anointed to be the next king, he goes back to shepherding. He, he's figuring out, I guess I just wait for God to, to make this happen. He's, David is finally thrust onto the scene with the defeat of Goliath, the Philistine giant, right? And, and King Saul, after the defeat of Goliath, invites David to come live in the palace. And he invites David to play music for him because David's a musician. He's an artist, and so he's in, living in the palace and playing music for Saul. David becomes famous throughout all the land. Ian covered this last week when, when he shared the song that the people were singing. The song of, hey, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And so da- David got all this notoriety. He became bo- the boy wonder in, in all of Israel. And eventually, King Saul gets extremely jealous of David, tries to kill him twice because he's so jealous of him. And during all this, King Saul's son, Jonathan, becomes besties with David. 
So David is friends with the prince, Jonathan, the next in line to the throne. And the passage we're going to read today is 1 Samuel chapter 20. And this is where David realizes that he has to become a fugitive because Saul will not stop trying to kill him. And so in chapter 20, 1 Samuel chapter 20, David is trying to convince his friend Jonathan that, hey, your dad's trying to kill me. I'm not going to be alive if I stick around. And they make a covenant together. So let, let's read a few verses from this chapter. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 3. It says, Then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, Your father knows perfectly well about our friendship. So he has said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan. Why should I hurt him? But I swear to you that I am only one step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by, our, by your own soul. Verse 4 Tell me what I can do to help you, Jonathan exclaimed. And so what happens here is, is David tells Jonathan, your dad's trying to kill me, and Jonathan's like, ah, that can't be true. It is true. And so David sends Jonathan on a fact-finding mission. Go find out for yourself. And what happens when Jonathan confronts his dad, King Saul, about it, King Saul takes a spear and tries to kill Jonathan. And that's when Jonathan realizes, my dad has lost his mind. Like he's set he is set to kill David, and he's, he's even willing to kill me for bringing it up. And so what happens in the chapter is Jonathan and David secretly meet in, the, in this field, on, and, and Jonathan's practicing archery, right, as, as, as a guise, just to meet David as, who's hiding in this field. So we get to the end of the chapter. In verse 41, it says this. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 41. As soon as the boy was gone, David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to the town. So this was the last time that David and Jonathan speak to one another. Spoiler alert, a couple chapters later, Jonathan is killed in a battle. And so Jonathan and David never see each other again after this point. But the covenant that they make between each other, they make a promise with each other. We're going to look out for each other's kids and grandkids. Like we're committed to each other. Through all this chaos and, and, and family drama, we're going, to, we're going to be there for one another. And this covenant that they make between them plays out later in David's story. We'll get to it in a few weeks. It's one of the most beautiful parts of, of David's story. But here's what I want to ask you to reflect on with me this morning. And it's this. Although David was anointed to be the next king, he didn't know how it would unfold. And after his defeat of Goliath, everything was lining up and looking promising. Right? He, he, he defeats the Philistine giant. He's gaining notoriety in all the country. He's invited to live in the palace. He's building rapport with King Saul. King Saul thinks he's great because he, he helped them defeat the Philistines. Um, he and Jonathan have become best friends. But somehow, somewhere along the way, things just go off kilter. It, it takes a turn. And we find David here in 1 Samuel chapter 20. He's completely unraveled. It says they were both weeping, but David more, right? Because he's undone. He's lost his family. 
He lost his job at the palace. The rapport he built with Saul is completely diminished. Now Saul's trying to kill him. He's losing his best friend Jonathan here. And he's forced to embrace the life of a fugitive. He has to go on the run now because he's being hunted. And he has no idea what to do. He has no plan of where to go. In the next chapter, we read about David going to the priest because he's hungry and he's homeless. He goes to the priest to, to ask for food, and he lies to the priest just to get some food. He has no idea what to do. And then after that story, we, we read of him going to the king of Gath. And when the king's men find out it's David, they're threatened by him because they know the song, right? David, Saul's killed his thousands, David's ten thousands. He's, he's here to get us. And so David then, because he picks up on it, he, he, he gets scared and he starts acting insane, so they'll pity him and let him go. And then David goes and lives in some caves, like this, this guy, he had everything lined up going well for him. Man, he feeded the giant. I'm in the palace. I'm playing music for the king. Like I'm besties with the son. Everything's going good in my life. And then boom, everything's gone. And he's probably feeling let down by God. He's probably feeling disappointed by God. And think, because things aren't going the way they were supposed to. And David what, what I love about David is he expresses his sadness and disappointment during this part of his life through writing the Psalms. And there's one Psalm in particular. I'm going to invite Lydia Mormon up because she's going to read this Psalm for us. It's Psalm 143. And this was a Psalm about this time in David's life when he's feeling let down. He's feeling disappointed by God. And he's trying to, to express that sadness and disappointment to the Lord. Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my plea. Answer me because you are faithful and righteous. Don't put your servant on trial, for no one is innocent before you. My enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirst for rain. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me, or I will die. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I run to you to hide me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. For the glory of your name, O Lord, preserve my life. Because of your faithfulness, bring me out of this distress. In your unfailing love, silence all my enemies and destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. Thank you, Lydia. What I want us to do this morning is, is to look at how David expresses his sadness and disappointments in this psalm. Because this is... This is how David was able to uh, develop spiritual resilience. And there's three things that he does here. Number one, he names out his disappointments and sadness to God. He names it out loud. And he recognizes the hold that they have on him. So if you're ever going to want to become spiritually resilient and learn how to become spiritually resilient, it starts with you naming the sadness and the disappointments that you're carrying. 
But he doesn't just do that. He doesn't just end there. He doesn't just name those things, and he's not just com- complaining to God about it, right? He does name those. He is complaining about, to God about it, but he does this next thing. He invites God into them with him. He invites, read the psalm, he invites God into them. He shares, this is where I'm disappointed. This is where I'm feeling sad. God, meet me in these space. Meet me in them. And then three, at the end of the psalm, you read it, he chooses to place his confidence in God even in the midst of them. Right? These are the things he does. This is how, this is how David developed spiritual resilience. He, he named all of the disappointments and the sadness that was going on in his life, he invites God into those places. And then he chooses to trust God even while they still exist. He chooses to place his confidence in God through them all. And, and I think we can learn a great deal from this part of David's story in this psalm we just read because chances are you and I are going to experience letdowns, disappointments, in sadness too, while we're in our waiting. And, and if we want to become spiritual resilient, if we ourselves want to become that, we have to learn how to do what David did. And, and I believe that the, one of the reasons that the scriptures have lament in it, have you, you ever notice the scriptures have, like, like this psalm is a lament, right? It's an expression of grief, sorrow, disappointment, confusion. And when you read the Bible, you find that there's a lot of psalms like this. There's a book called Lamentations, which is an entire book of lament. Right? You read the Old Testament prophets, and they lament all through, the, the, all through their, their, their prophecies. And I believe that those are in Scripture for a reason, because they model a healthy way for us to express our sadness and disappointments to God. And, and, and to invite God into those places. You know, not only the Old Testament models this for us, but Jesus did as well, right? When, when we read Jesus' story, we find him weeping at Lazarus' funeral, right? He's sad. There's another part in Jesus' story when he's, he, he says to an unbelieving crowd, how long do I have to put up with you? <laughs> That's disappointment, <laughs> There's another part in Jesus' story where he's hanging on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus himself experienced and expressed sadness and disappointment. You know, when I was a kid, I I grew up in church and we had um, kids' church on Sunday mornings before the service started. And at kids' church, we used to sing these action songs. How many of you grew up in kids' church and did action songs? Oh, a number of you. How many of you remember the song, Happy All the Time? A couple of you. Okay, I'm going to trigger you. So just prepare. (laughs) Because most of us in this room have not heard the song, Happy All the Time. And I have a little clip to play for us. So you who grew up doing that, just like prepare yourselves. Okay, Jordan, can you play that clip for us? This is it. Some of you know it. (laughs) And then you speed it up the next time, right? It's going to get faster. (laughs) Right? And you're doing actions and you're like, yeah. Okay, that's enough. We're getting triggered. (laughs) All right. Um, 
listen, the, the, person, the person who wrote that song ha- had good intentions, I'm sure of it, but, but it presents a false narrative. And the false narrative is this, that when we start walking with Jesus, we invite Jesus into our life and he cleanses us from sin and saves us and redeems us and restores us to our fellowship with God, that we're just happy all the time. Right? And, and that simply isn't true. Listen, the scriptures refer to Jesus as a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And I need to say this. It, it, if you're following Jesus, you, if you don't hear me say anything else today, just hear this. If you're following Jesus, there is plenty of room for sorrow and for joy. There's plenty of room for celebration and disappointment. There's plenty of room for expectation and sadness to exist together if you're following Jesus. See, expressing your sadness and disappointments to God doesn't mean you lack faith. In fact, it can can be the opposite. Because when we express our sadness and our disappointments to God and invite God into those places, it, it releases the heavy hold that they have on us. Right? It, it gives our souls the chance to come up for air. And, and, and the false narrative that, and if you just try Jesus, you'll be happy all the time. Uh, it, the reason that's dangerous is because you, you begin to think, but, but wait a second, I'm not happy right now. So maybe I'm doing it wrong. Or maybe I'm not faithful. No, no, no. We have to start and end with Jesus. Like Jesus himself expressed sadness and disappointment. He himself said, my God, why have you forsaken me? We read the Psalms. We just read one with David. He's saying, I, I, my depression deepens, God, but I'm trusting you, right? We name those places. We invite God into them, and we continue to, to put our confidence in God. That's not a lack of faith. That's how our faith grows. That's how it expands, right? And so before we receive communion today, I want to lead us in a prayer exercise. And I'm going to start with a question. And I'm going to invite you, if you're comfortable closing your eyes, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes during this prayer exercise. If you're not comfortable closing your eyes, that's okay. You can keep them open. I pray with my eyes open all the time. And I'm going to start with a question for this prayer exercise. And here, here's the question. Where is there sadness within you right now? What are you sad about? I want you to think about that. Where is there sadness? Maybe you've got to find it a little bit. And sometimes we don't know where our sadness is coming from. All we know is we're sad, and that's okay. You don't don't have to to name it specifically, but if you can, just take a minute and think, where's my sadness? Second question is this, what do you feel disappointed over? Think about that for a minute. What do you feel disappointed over? And just allow the Holy Spirit to to bring to the surface any sadness and disappointment that you're carrying. And it doesn't need to be big. It could could be small. Don't don't edit yourself. Sometimes the things that make us sad and disappointed sound silly. Right? It could be a, a boring weekend. Or a meal that wasn't satisfying. Or maybe it was a conversation that didn't meet your expectations. Maybe it's gloomy weather. It can be a small thing, or it could be a big big thing. Maybe it's what happened in Memphis this week with Tyree Nichols. 
Maybe it's you're feeling lonely or you're getting older or you're disappointed with your job or a relationship or you lost a pet or you're missing home or you have a health issue that's been badgering you. I want you to quietly hold those things before the Lord as I pray for us. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Help me locate my sadness and disappointments. Help me be attentive to what's going on in my heart, my mind, and my soul. Because I don't want to carry any of these things alone. Jesus, I know you know every single one of my sorrows, every single one of my disappointments. You know everything that I'm going through. You know everything that I'm feeling. Even the things that I'm unable to put words to. And you know me better than I know myself. So Jesus, I invite you into my sadness and disappointments right now, the, the, the big ones and the small ones and all the ones in between. I open the door to you and invite you to come into them with me. Give me the spiritual resilience that I need as I wait on you. And help me to put my confidence and trust in you, even when I'm feeling sad and disappointed with the way things are going. I need you with me, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can I give you a homework assignment this week? It's, if the Holy Spirit brought a specific sadness or disappointment to light as we were just praying that prayer, I want to invite you to read Psalm 143 this week and invite Jesus to be there while you read it, okay? Read Psalm 143 again this week, and it, but before you read it, invite Jesus to be there with you when you read it. Can you do that? Okay. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.